You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders past and present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music content, programs for children, and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting to the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this service. Copies of the codes are available on the Community Broadcasting Association website. They're also on our website at syn.org.au. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today. Welcome to Represent. My name's Naya, and we are SIN's flagship political discussion program. On the show, we have Taylor from Panorama. Hiya. Hello. And we have Freddie again. And from Represent. From Represent. <laughs> and Lachlan. We've got full full mics today. Woo! Um, we've got lots on. So we're gonna we're gonna chat about the federal budget and the coronation. And Victorian Liberal, I feel like we've been talking about the Liberals a lot. It's a time. recurring theme. It's yeah. our weekly segment. And just because Bridie isn't here, we can't let it drop, you know? Of course, of course. Um, and we're going to talk about Victorian digital IDs. And we've got an interview at the end. So we want to get started with uh, the federal budget. Woo! Hello, everybody. So I'm here to talk about the federal budget and what that means for Australia's youth. So we're only getting a lot of early updates as the budget isn't due to come out until 7.30 tonight. And a little fun fact for you guys. The Australian government website has a countdown. A set, Wait, like actually? a live yeah. countdown. It's like it Christmas. Morning. It's so exciting. And I think it's absolutely hysterical that they're so excited. Um, so yes, we're getting a lot of early updates from the governments and their different departments. People are calling for this to be a budget for the working people, a increase increase in the real wages, so essentially like what inflation versus the wage that we're getting is, a close of the gender pay gap, as currently 30 women earn 30% less than men on average, and assistance with cost of living and rental prices. So we've been promised that this the centerpiece of this budget will be a 14 billion package billion dollar package on cost of living relief which is just like a big sigh for a lot of people as we definitely have been struggling with the cost of living especially in victoria and especially in australia this is also very exciting because this morning it was announced that this will be the first budget in 15 years to be in surplus which is insane and actually the government didn't do anything to do that. It was all the people. So the reason why we're in a surplus is because our exports are really high and we have a low unemployment rate. So essentially, well done Australians, we did it, we worked hard, don't let the politicians take that 
from you. <laughs> it's also the first labor surplus in 35 years, which is wow. a long time. So, like, well done, labor. You're getting 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 everything together. Let's talk more about the cost of living relief. So, there's it's actually 14.6 billion dollars going towards this package. At first, it was heard like there's some rumors that it was going to be poised for the job seeker and people over age over 55 would only be getting an increase. So people under the age of 30, 55 would not be receiving an increase for job seeker. Um, citing that they needed to target living relief for women and the long-term unemployed. There was like an uproar when that was kind of rumoured to be speculated to be what was in the budget. Um, so they've definitely turned on their heels on that point and now they're saying that it will not it will be for all ages all genders there will be new measures in place in the to add anti-poverty advocates um and the government will be implementing a board to rise the job seeker rate but a lot of people are asking how are we going to have a 15 billion cost of living package without going into surplus or creating further inflation which I think is crazy. Do you guys have any questions so far like that? <laughs> How's that going to work? How's that going to work? How's that going to work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no more inflation, please. No, yeah. Please stop it. <laughs> well, deflate. Deflate. <laughs> deflate. Deflate it all. Absolutely. Well, I th the big thing is they're saying surplus now, but there is expected to be um, f further... So there's expected to be like further dips later on, basically, from the, this budget. So we're going to see a nice little ease and then we're going to see, oopsie, all our tax dollars are, are being spent oh. and we're going to see that inflation go back up again is the prediction, which I think is very, very interesting. We've also got, um, we've got a power bill package, which basically won't be going to the people like previous power saving bonuses. It'll actually be going straight to the utility. And so the utility essentially will be paid off by the government to give us cheaper energy bills, which is really okay. interesting. I don't, so, I don't really know how that's going to work. We like, that is all we've yeah. been told is that there will be some kind of help when it comes to bills and energy bills and those bills. But like, how they're just going to pay off? Like they're just going to be like. That, that sounds like how grants work, and that's yeah. really scary to me. Yeah. Also, uh, like yeah. because it's not directly to the people. Do you think it's something they can easily take away? Well, oh, mm. oh, good yeah. question. <laughs> I think I think what they're trying to achieve with that is because I think we saw how how I guess stimulus checks worked in the U.S. They thought mm. it was going to boost the economy. No, it didn't. It mm -mm. was a disaster. So maybe they're trying to sort of avoid that happening. Like, hey, here's five hundred dollars for your power bill, and then mm -hmm. people go spend it on God no Uber Eats or yeah. delivery or other food delivery apps. Impartial media, but law. like, doesn't that boost the economy slightly by being like, here's some money? Well, I know, like in Victoria, we had the power saving bonus, and I, I definitely cashed out on that one. <laughs> I did like a double dip. It was great, like because you could register before the date for the last year, and then after the date for the next year. Ah. Very smart. Very. I know how to play the game, guys. Don't worry. Um, in this budget, we've also got a 15% pay rise for aged care workers in line with the Fair Work Acts Commission. So this will be $9 billion out of the budget will go towards childcare and aged care workers, which is a f 
just a woohoo moment. Good. Yeah, Finally. Good. Oh, they need this. Yeah, this They've has been... They've been through too much. <laughs> this has been a long time coming, and I think a lot of people have been begging for this, but I... I controversial. I don't think it's going to be like all it's cracked up to be. I think it's a step in the right direction, but I don't think it's going to get us It's not the only issue with the aged care system at mm-hmm. the moment. It's one of because the attraction isn't there necessarily for jobs. But yeah, there there are other issues. Absolutely. Are they trying to offset the really terrible work conditions <laughs> with a bit more cash? I think, yeah, that's all they're doing at the moment is just throwing money at it. Yeah. It's, it's not... The problem will go away. Here you go. Right. Stop crying, guys. Here's ten right. more dollars for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, when that's broken down to how many aged care workers there are, it's yeah. probably, it's probably mm. not that much. Um, something on a little nerdy, nerdy science note is there's been a new net zero authority introduced. Ooh. So oh, okay. this is a, like a governmental authority that will be created on July 1st and they'll be able to like create actions to help Australians reach the Paris Agreement goals, which is net zero by 5050. Um, I reported a bit on this at work and I just... It was quite interesting to see that the government was willing to kind of invest in net zero after doing, yeah. you know buying submarines and doing some some not great things with their money they're now going oh we should turn back home and and try and you know keep our promises <laughs> yeah let's actually focus on a big point of difference we had with the liberal party yeah, yes <laughs> but what is not yet to be announced is obviously the entire budget so we don't know it all yet 7:30 bad timing for our show <laughs> we should have moved i know the but hoist also- doesn't need 7:30 like come on <laughs> don't dish on the hoist no i love the hoist but they can they they could have taken our slot and we could have taken we this. Should have so we should have done a, a, a little switch. Exactly. Um, but no, no, this is exciting. We get to speculate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's also going to be a single parent payment. So that used to be only for people who had kids up to eight years old, and that's when the payment would be cut, which is crazy because, like, that kid can't earn money when they're eight. You don't like, stop yeah. feeding your kid when At, they turn oh, eight yeah. years Not old. with that attitude, Taylor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh sorry. To work. I'm, not, I'm not here for the grind culture at eight. <laughs> you know, the children, the children yearn for the mines. Well, that has, age has now been up to 14. So okay. the legal working age, which makes sense to me. Yeah, that's good. Um, but it was yeah. originally 16, and then good old John Howard was the one who changed it to eight. Was it? Um, oh. Yeah. That's halving it. When yeah. did John Scary. Howard change it? When he was in office. I just... I, I, that was just the fact I okay. heard. I'm sorry. I have no follow-up. I <laughs> heard it was changed on the day of Julia Gillard's I will not be lectured on misogyny speech. Hmm. And so we may have to Google that one. Yes, we might have opposing sources for that one. Well, in 2021, political journalist Andrew Probin warned that the NDIS will cost the government more than $30 by 2024. So their big question was, will the NDIS be cut in this budget? Or, like, will there be cuts seen to it? No. No. We are... Essentially, what they're trying to do is a lot of that waste is coming from people who, quote-unquote, don't fit the criteria... But I have to say, I am someone who suffers from chronic illness and I was trying to seek out funding a while ago because I was struggling to find work where I didn't have to be physical and be in like a cafe or retail type. Um, And there are so many hoops you have to jump through, including like taking courses with them and doing all these like things. I just can't imagine someone who's like out for like, you know, the dull bludger kind of vibe is going to go through all those hoops. So I don't necessarily believe that it's all because of people who 
are undeserving of this money. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's interesting. We always, we love to hear from Pauline Hansen, who oh. said the NDIS is an absolute scam and criminals are rotting the system. This is taxpayer dollars. The amount of people that jump on this scheme shouldn't be on the NDIS. See, again, I feel like people just don't have necessarily the correct information around this because it is such a mission. People with disabilities really struggle to get this funding in the first place. So It's a full-time job to be on the NDIS. It is. It is. Because you have to fill out, like, paperwork. You have to update them as well. So I... I I genuinely don't understand how how we can see that happening. It sounds like they make it really hard to sort of scam the system, but then they make it really hard for the people who really do need the money to actually access it. Yes, and I think that is much of the problem. Um, the Commonwealth Government is investing more than $720 million over four years in this year's budget to the NDIS. That... Like, looking at the budget, just, like, mm. in general, you see, like, billions here, billions there, 720 million yeah. over four years. That doesn't seem like a whole lot. Yeah, that would well, be on top of the current. Okay. That's, yeah. That still just doesn't seem like a whole lot, uh, in relative to everything else that the budget yeah, has, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these... The thing with this year's budget is what it seems is that they're very focused on the now. They're fixing, you know, the... They're not worrying about the the deficits that's going to come in the future from the payments they're doing now. They're like, we just need to get people out of the cost of living crisis, which I appreciate, but there are definitely some things that they're doing that with as well that are going to cause them grief in the future. Um, the Liberals' reaction to just coming into... Um, Coming into budget day is quite funny. Like the Liberals' I, reaction to anything is just hilarious. anything. I think, especially because this is the first Labor budget since they kind of stepped in and took over, they are being highly critical. There's um, there no Liberals have been named in, in saying these things. We've just we've heard them coming out from the Liberal side. So we had some Liberals saying that anyone could have made a budget with a surplus in this environment. Give it they had about nine years in office to deliver a surplus. Yeah, they had nine years in office to deliver a surplus and they didn't. Damn. Well, they, they did report a surplus in year seven and they made mugs. Yes, but that's my next black. fun fact. Exactly. You stole my fun fact. Stole your fun Aww. fact. Year a little surprise. You were, you, wait, year seven? It would have been 2013. I can't do math. They made, year okay. Six. Wow. That's great. Because they actually did it again in 2020. But. They they released their mugs on the 7th of March, and then when COVID happened, they realised very quickly that they were not going to reach a surplus in this budget, so they took it down. And These are collector's editions. Yeah, I think... These I, are rare. I think I want one now. I think Can I, we get one for the, for the we office? Do we, yeah, we, do, we need one I for the like studio. I feel like we need one. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we all need them. Um, Maybe Labor will like sell them rebadged and like like with a like a literal sticker over the Liberal one. Yeah, maybe. that would be fun and fresh. That'd that be would fun. Be. Well, the funny thing is that um, Treasurer Chalmers this morning made a, a very funny joke on the ABC. He's like, Ooh. "I'm not, I'm not waving the flag yet. You know, we've, I'm planning a surplus. A surplus will happen, but I'm not making any mugs." Oh. <laughs> oh. No. They can't Do, spend the money on the mugs. Yes, exactly. Don't well, count your chickens before they hatch. Don't make your mugs before they're correct. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. exactly. And then we're like $35 a pop. I don't know about you guys, but that's too 35 expensive. Yeah. What? On the, on the, uh, that better be a good of, mug. On the topic of themed uh, kitchenware, mm. we, might, we might head on. We have a lot on for today. Oh, please do. I will, I will just circle back to something earlier. So was it John Howard or Julia Gillard oh, yes. who oh. reduced the age? 
it was teamwork. It was Aww, teamwork. So, don't we love that? Right? It's, it's bipartisan support for, um, mm. you know, making life more difficult for those on low incomes. So John Howard came in in 2006. He went, yeah, let's take it down from 16 to 8, but let's grandfather in some people. Mm-hmm. And then Julia Gillard came in in 2012 and she went, John, you forgot some. Here, I'll sort it for you. <laughs> oh, gotta love that backup. Teamwork yeah. breaks the <laughs> dreams, I guess. But yes, that is everything on this year's budget, and we will have more next week. Yeah. Um, where we will hopefully get to talk to Bill Shorten, who we had planned on this week, but unfortunately there's yes. a media blackout Ooh. today that they weren't quite aware of, so yeah. we will talk to them next week. There's an intern yes. in Canberra having a very bad day today. A very Ooh. bad day. <laughs> but it's okay, because we will talk to him next week. On to our next topic. On to our next topic. So yes, um... Back to my segue of... Oh, it's not a great segue, but... Uh, themed kitchenware. Themed kitchenware. Something we didn't see as much of this year. Uh, coronation fever didn't really take on with this year's coronation, um, which on, on Saturday evening, Australians tuned in around the country to watch King Charles III and Queen Camilla crowned uh, as the new Whoa. king and queen. There were mixed reactions. Um <laughs> bit of just general housekeeping of what happened. It's a, it's a Christian ceremony at its core. It occurs at Westminster Abbey in London and it has remained relatively the same for more than a thousand years. So it's it's pretty long. I mean, cameras mm-hmm. weren't there a thousand years ago but <laughs> we do get some privileges to be able to see it now. Well, King Charles would be able to confirm it's the same as it was a thousand years ago, <laughs> wouldn't he? <laughs> wow! Oh. I'm joking. Friday with the best. I'm joking. <laughs> um, and a couple of little like fun tidbits. It happened uh, more than, or just sorry, just less than nine months since the late Queen Elizabeth II passed, because they don't want to be celebrating too close to the time, the actual time of a session when mm. she passed away. Um, Australia was represented by a lot of people. We had, of course, our Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and our Governor General um, and their partners. We had Australian singer-songwriter Nick Cave. We had <laughs> soccer star Sam Kerr, among others, um, and they're chosen as you know uh, world leaders and people who represent Australia uh, well in in the global field. Um, and they got to dress up and wear fascinators, which I'm just a little bit jealous of the dressing up bit. Um, buildings across Australia, including Parliament House, Admiralty House and Flinders Street Station, were lit up in royal purple and there was, uh, weather permitting, a 21-gun salute on these steps of Parliament House. Um, and there's a new coronation emoji on Twitter, which I thought was fun. <laughs> instead of instead of uh, plates and cups and mugs, mm-hmm. we got a new emoji. The yeah, commoners get an emoji. Let's go! Um and a gift of $10,000 to the Australian charity Friends of the Western Ground Parrot was given on behalf of Australia, as we have heard that um, uh, King Charles is is invested in the environment and wildlife. Mm. However, Ooh. there were mixed reactions in Australia, which I think we can expect. There's been talk of a republic since before I walked the earth. Um, <laughs> and... Every time something particularly big happens with the monarchy, Queen's death or this, um, even weddings, I think it must have been around, but I was pretty young when the weddings happened, um, there's talk of should we still be part of this? Um, mm. And whilst it is, you know, to, to a certain extent it is a special celebration, it's like less than 15% of Australians are um, over the age of 70. So most of Australians... This is the first coronation. It's the first experience of a coronation. So there is something something special in that. But 
is it is it old fashioned? Have we outgrown it? Is it inconsiderate to the history of um, colonisation in Australia? Um, anyone want to add some thoughts before I bring in some quotes that I heard this week? Sure. Well, I I always find the like the ceremony is so hysterical. Like, there's the photo of him holding, like, the staff and wearing one glove. And I'm just like... And he held it for so long. Yeah. Like, I, wa- I watched this thing mm-hmm. and, oh, my goodness, he's holding it. And then he goes and sits somewhere else and holds it for longer. Oof. I feel like, like, the likelihood of me, if I was him, mm. you know, king king of England... <laughs> yes, if you were Dropping him. it. Like, that oh. would be, it'd be so stressful. There'd be so many thoughts going through his mind. Like, I cannot drop this. I have to do this correctly. How I s- would have watched it if he did. How sweaty were his hands? Do you reckon? Oh my goodness! There was one. There was one particularly sweet moment where, um, when uh, I was going to say Prince Harry, it was not Prince Harry. Prince William walked mm. up and kissed his father's cheek um, as a sign of his, um, you know, loyalty to the crown and to his father, the king. Um, and he smiled. It was one of the first Aww. smiles we saw. It was. It was That's quite sweet. That's and nice. And I was like, as much as there's issues, that was sweet. And I think. Mm. I feel like he gets a bad rap. I mean, it's old-fashioned sort of to go. It's all about Diana, but I think there are a lot of people who stick to the what happened with Diana defines him, but he's been quite quiet. Like, Mm. he does a bit of sort of getting on and doing it. He's not the monarch. He's not that public in regard to what work he does. If Queen Elizabeth did work, she'd be on the front page, Um, not him. But he talks a lot about the environment, which he's really passionate about, Um, and so there is a possibility maybe in the coming years. I don't know how long he's going to reign, though. Yeah. Um, oh! I mean, yeah, oh. No, you've got written here, like, this is the first coronation Australians, most Australians have seen, and they may not see another. Are we sure about that? Oh, no, 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 no. As in, um, as in they, like, the older Australians may not. We've got 25 years until he's 100. Yeah, I, I, rec- I reckon we're pretty True. likely to see oh, another. Well, we, we uh, may yeah. be. Young, young Australians may be <laughs> quite likely. I think we probably will. Also, but, um, oh, sorry, but this yeah, man yeah, has yeah. been waiting for this day his entire oh, life. Like, I just imagine he got back to the cast and he was like, I did it! I did it! I finally yeah. got it! Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, there were so many memes, because it was a pretty terrible day, like, weather-wise. I mean, oh, surprise, yeah. it was England. Yeah, um, but there were so many memes that it was like, that was Diana's doing. That she was just, like, brainstorming <laughs> you know, on his day as, like, this, karma. This is gonna, She'd been waiting. <laughs> so many people are going to have different thoughts about this, but I read Harry's book, Spare. Ooh, um, oh, but okay. I read it because I wanted, I, want, yeah, I wanted to develop an opinion after reading it. Sure. Rather than okay. because I had I know a couple of people who had some strong opinions about it before it had actually come out, and I went okay, I need I need to read this thing before I choose my opinion, mm. and I did that, and it's actually really interesting how much forgiveness in the family um, was given to Charles and Camilla over what happened to Diana. Like the boys, particularly, like Harry talks about just wanting to make sure that his father was happy, and they they liked Camilla because she made him happy like there's a lot of i think Mm. there's a lot of love and it was a tragedy what happened and i think Mm. it's a tragedy to everyone and even even camilla who i think a lot of people saw her as the other woman and still probably see her as the other woman i know my mom for sure i did for a long time like like a big diana fan i feel like a lot like our our mother's generation right yeah yeah the mom's in the room did Um, your mom's watch it Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Did uh, they also have, have little dinner parties and watch it with family. their friends? Ooh, That's I what love, my mum did. I want yeah. to go to your mum's dinner party. That sounds great. <laughs> I'll make sure say? she sends you an invite yeah, next please time. Do, please yeah. do. Um, but yeah, no, I I think there is like this... Well, that... Oh, I'm off track, but quickly question. Did... What did 
um, Camilla get crowned as? Is she still queen consort well, or is she thing. queen? She is technically a queen consort. She's um, because she has no official quote unquote power. Mm. Um, that is the king's role. But the invite said queen. She is. She will be now referred to as queen. Queen consort as a like title in general speaking was used whilst we were often referring to Queen Elizabeth and it was um, distinguishing between them. But she, she is still a queen consort, but she will be referred to as Queen Camilla. Interesting. Right. Yeah, that was on my news quiz this morning and I did <laughs> rebut because I was I wrote queen consort and you were like, I'm not wrong. wrong but I'm, I'm not, not wrong, wrong, but I'm not right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, please hit us with some quotes. Oh, yeah. So got some great ones. Um, it was very interesting. Stan Grant at the ABC published an article about it, which was an interesting read. Um, I don't necessarily agree with what he said in terms of the way he approached the coronation. He said mockery may be the best medicine. And, like... It is a bit, it's exuberant. It's not something we see. Like, it's just mm. craziness. Like, everyone in there, fascinators, and thousands of people going to an abbey. Even some people just seeing him once as he walks down. Like, people can like, for days. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it's, it's massive, and it is, to a certain extent, hilarious. Why on earth are people doing this for one person? Mm. But he does say um, that, and I get this, um, we we would have to, th- if, if we think about, the coronation too much, we would have to think of the coronation regalia and the crown of stolen jewels. The crown has been uh, talked about a lot, particularly Camilla's, which uh, the... Is it the Codonor? I'm going to say that wrong. They're, they're, the particular jewel that has had a lot of controversy, I mean, a lot of them do, um, was taken out. And it often Ooh. is whilst right. um, on display taken out because it's super, super valuable. Um, <laughs> but it was replaced with... There were three diamonds. The idea is that diamonds can be replaced uh, to customise it, but that one particularly. And so that's that's part of the, the history of, of slavery and um, colonisation. But in Australia, uh, he, uh, Stan Grant said, this week Indigenous peoples around the world have asked the new king for an apology. Understandable. But why? It is not going to happen. For one thing, if it did, what would it mean? And I think it's really... This was where I started mm-hmm. to take issue. Why is he assuming it's not going to be any different? Is it not going to be any different? Or is this going to be a more modern monarchy? Mm. Mm, I think the stereotype is that, especially because he's older, that there won't be much change. But I think we're yeah. seeing with his like care about the environment... He's they're, really they're modern issues. Yeah, he's really tuned into these modern yeah. issues. Um, I have a question for you guys, like... Ooh. Do you think that Prince William will will change the game or do you think he will keep it traditional? I imagine he still is somewhat traditional, mm. but I think he's definitely and as each generation will be will be increasingly political aware. I'm going to start that sentence again, politically aware mm. uh, of it's the climate and I think it's almost it sort of ties into the liberal party which we can move to next Ooh. is it there's um the more criticism they they get the more they're going to have to improve and see what is going on that like they have significantly less countries under their control than they used to mm. that reflects something and so on that note of uh people needing to think about their image <sighs> Freddie. yeah how gets the liberal party am i right <laughs> like 
I feel like every week they give us like a new episode to this <laughs> crazy drama. It's like Succession. I was talking to Naya about it earlier. But um, great show. So five state Liberal MPs have signed a motion on Friday, uh, last Friday, to expel currently suspended member for the Western Metropolitan Region, Maura Deeming after she threatened to sue the leader John Pesuto for defamation. Oh, my goodness. Now, to understand the context of this, we're going to do a quick little story time, all right? So buckle in. All right. Deeming was originally suspended in March for nine months after attending an anti-trans rally, which was gate-crashed by neo-Nazis. Sounds like the start to a really bad joke. Pesuto originally (laughs) tried to expel her entirely, but he was convinced by his colleagues not to, with most people saying it's pretty unfair to suspend somebody for their personal opinions. And I think that's... That's an interesting point because also her opinions on trans people were very well known before she was given this seat of west of the western metropolitan region and she was always considered a pretty controversial choice so it's interesting to sort of think about that now but maybe it's because they this neo-nazi angle was added into it um and it's important to also note she didn't break any rules by attending the rally, but the link was sort of seen as very damaging to the Liberal Party, where John Pesuto is trying to transition the Victorian Liberals into more of a centralist sort of stance, because there's been worries it's going very right. So she was suspended in March. Fast forward to last Thursday, where Deeming demanded that Pesuto release a statement declaring that she is not a Nazi sympathiser and to lift her nine-month suspension or she threatened legal action. Now, she was she's demanding this, hey, make sure everyone knows I'm not a Nazi sympathiser because there was a <laughs> dossier passed out back in March that apparently, according to her, insinuated that she was. Um, the contents of that dossier is a bit disputed, Uh, Apparently it was made up of a lot of social media posts and a Wikipedia article. That's what she says. (laughs) Interesting dossier. Mm -hmm. But um, Pesuto denied that she was ever called a Nazi sympathiser. And he has said numerous times in numerous press conferences that he doesn't think Deeming is a Nazi sympathiser. But she wants a media statement declaring this, which is interesting. And apparently Pesuto agreed to this when she agreed to the nine-month suspension. It was like, hey, if you release this, I'll agree to the suspension. And apparently he agreed to that, but he's denying that as well. I think it's very interesting that, you know, she is publicly calling on him to say, you need to say I'm not a Nazi, and his response is, I never called you a Nazi, which is not a no. That's a dodge. That is a dodge. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it's important that we have you know, our leaders representing us and if they're associating themselves with these values and they shouldn't be the people necessarily leading us. I know that it, I get the point that it's like their personal point of view or whatever, but that cannot, there's no way that won't colour how they eventually like push, you know, legislation through, especially when we're trying to get like a lot more trans rights in this country. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because John Pesuto has actively been trying to transition this Victorian Liberal Party into more of the centre mm. uh, to align themselves with mainstream Australians. And he said, the Liberal Party I joined and are now honoured to lead must strive to represent all Victorians. Regardless of religious, faith, race, sexual preference and identity, Victorians everywhere should know that the Liberal Party is inclusive and can be a voice to them. So I think that's interesting, because he's only had this job for four months as well, and um, Deeming was 
uh, put into this seat well before he was in power. Uh, it, this was Matthew Guy's move. Mm. And it was always controversial. So I guess are we sort of seeing him start to try and clean house and align the Liberal Party with th- with these values that he wants to, where he wants to s- represent every Victorian, not just the old ones? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, we are a very... What is it? Blue or red is Labour? Red. 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 We're a very red country. Which, um, ironically, we actually are. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's true. And we are a yeah. red country. Oh, true. It's I know. True. <laughs> just, just as you said, I was like, we are. We are. In the we've metaphorical and the physical yeah. sense. They should really pick that up as their next campaign. Ooh, okay. We've got, you know, Labour campaign right here. <laughs> 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 Call us up right now. Freddie. <laughs> um... Oh, what was I going to say? What were we talking about? Is the train of thought gone? <laughs> oh, it's gone. It's gone. Um, but yes, well, oh no, we are a very red country. And I think that the fact that the Liberal Party is trying to just like, hey, we're also cool with you guys being Oh, you guys gay didn't like us you're... before? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, we're fine with you now. Yeah, no, like, it... I think the Liberal Party has always had very big stance, especially on, like, the LGBT qua and all those kind of statements, they've very much been, like, not yes, but not hard no, and it's now they're just like, change, we're open, yeah. which is it's, it's surprising to hear, and I, I don't think it's convincing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be <laughs> interesting to see him try and pull off this very sudden image change, Yeah, but anyway, they're going to vote on Friday as to whether Deeming should be ejected from the party because Ooh. she has threatened John Pursuto with legal action. She's walked back on that since Sunday. She was like, oh, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I, she, apparently she just consulted her lawyer, mm. um, which, which does not translate sense. to suing to John Pesuda, no, which I no. also see, but considering I'm, he I did directly. Would. Yeah. yeah, you think the lawyer would be like, hey, he didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. It, I, There's documentation. Interesting yeah, lawyer. That. She never said it was a good lawyer. Just like... <laughs> defaming the lawyer yeah. by steps. It's um, a bit interesting. <laughs> so, apparently this time they actually, there's a widespread support that she will get expelled this time unlike March where it was a suspension instead of an expulsion. Um, Deeming has backtracked and this whole thing has been a lovely fire for the Liberal Party because they're getting very criticised for it. A lot of people have said that this entire saga has detracted from their purpose of challenging Daniel Andrews. A lot of people have said that it's unfair that she's uh, she's expo- expelled for her opinions and her stance on things. Um, and it's also opened up this topic of uh, party room bullying, because apparently there's mm. been a bit of that in this situation, specifically with uh, a rookie MP, Renee Heath, who allegedly sent an email to all the MPs complaining about how she is treated. So is the Victorian Liberal Party becoming a bit of a toxic place? We don't know. Are we coming? Yeah, but Becoming, we, also, we can't necessarily it? like say that it's the only one. Like we know, we know that Parliament, like working in Parliament, is not the most. It's not a comfy job, normal. is it? No. And no. and what's interesting is that she is being voted, supposedly might be voted out of her party um, and out of her seat by her party um, because of her opinions, but isn't the whole point that she was voted in by the people of Australia because well, of her opinions. Point. That's so should mm. she be removed from the party yeah. by the party for her opinions? Is that's that so is that she would she would still be an MP. She'd mm. still be yeah. an MP. She would just not be a Liberal MP and that's kind of the whole deal True. with being in a party is that you all share the same opinion. 
We've seen with the Liberals, they certainly don't right now. We're getting less and less Liberals and more and more independents. Maybe they're becoming a smaller church. Anyway, this all sounds pretty serious. Um, So anyway, and the saga has been very damaging for the state Liberal Party as a whole, and there's been the word terrorist thrown around a lot oh dear. because a lot of people have been talking about supposedly about deeming and her supporters but we don't know because no names are ever mentioned with the word terrorist but we mm. saw james newbury say who james newbury is also someone who backed this motion on last friday um there are three or four terrorists who care more about blowing up the liberal party than they do daniel andrews everybody <sighs> has had enough and they need to do the right thing by the liberal party room the liberal voters and victorians and then matthew guy echoed this sentiment and said there's a couple terrorists within the party who need to work out whether they want to sit with us or not. Big, big words. Big words. Pun unintended, big. but that's some explosive language. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Can we get that sound effect? Where's the sound Yeah, board? where's the soundboard at? So... Wow, um, clearly it's a bit, it's very divisive mm. in the Liberal Party oh, yeah. with this move. Is this move just going to divide the Liberal Party further? I feel like the answer is probably yes. I think so because I, there are people who will agree with Deeming's, you know, absolutely thoughts and, and all those a things. lot of people do. Or, I don't know if you've watched Sky News, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even disagree with the logic of expelling her for her opinions. See. The pity is, I think this is why the Liberal Party doesn't have quotas because they love to get, um, they love to use examples like this as like, oh, well, we believe it's best to have whoever is best for the role in it. We shouldn't be putting women above men to get them into these roles because that might not be the best candidate for it. Well, and then they're, they're probably going to use this as another reason not to have quotas, which yeah. is disappointing. And we've sort of seen that argument thrown around as well. A lot of people are saying that they're expelling Deeming because she's a conservative woman. That, well, See, that was going to be one of my questions, that. is do yeah. you think... Is do you that think, why? Do you think I, if it was a man who was doing the same things that they would oh, be expelled? I, my, I'd like to think they I'd would be. So. Like, I like to think going to an anti, anti-trans uh, rally that With Nazis. Neo, yeah. neo-Nazis were also involved in. I'd like to think if, no matter who you were, you'd be getting expelled for that. Especially I, yeah. considering the deputy leader of the Liberal parties is a openly Jewish exactly, man. Exactly, yes. True, David Southwick. True. But, um, so I... I think I think yes. I hope so. But <laughs> would it be as controversial of Ooh, a move? True. Would I we th- see as many supporters as Deeming is seeing? And what what will be mm. the reaction of her supporters if it is moved? Like, will oh, will it split more? Will we lose? Well, people? I'm hearing resignations Ooh. would be would be the move. As in, like fed, uh, fellow fellow MPs. MPs, supposedly. Yes. That, I mean, like. That kind of sounds like we're like cutting off the bad crop uh, to me. Like, exactly, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> it's, it's cleaning house. Yeah. So it's obviously been a bit of a disaster, and it's got Peter Dutton's attention. Ooh. He has. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so I have some goss here. Ooh. I have oh. some goss. Oh, here. is this on air goss? This is on air goss. What? I have to be, what okay, we got? this is this is like. I'd like to keep my job, so I'm going to be very okay. careful. But oh, I have it on good authority. That um, Peter Dutton, he was interviewed on a radio broadcaster toward the end of last week about what do you think about what's going on with the Liberal Party, as you've just so eloquently explained all the twists and turns, Freddie. <laughs> At the same time, John Pesciuto was preparing for an interview on TV. And while on the radio, Peter Dutton said, well, Freddie, you can, you can read the quote, you can jump in Peter here. Peter Dutton he say? said... 
um, the Victorian Liberals are not a credible government alternative. He said, I want to make it very clear to the Victorian Liberals, I want this sorted out as quickly as possible. And he has not explicitly floated, but it was floated that there could be a federal intervention into the Victorian Liberal Party, which we have never seen in Victoria before. Yes. So, everyone listening to the radio has heard that. Everyone else in the party knows that, but John Pesciuto, well, he's preparing for a TV interview, isn't he? He's been told to put his phone on silent. He found that out on air. Oh, I mean, how did that go great down? Great for the journalist Goddamn. who got to say that, but <laughs> surprise! <laughs> what a scoop! That is. But yeah, how did that I, go down on air? He took it in stride, but he Ooh, was a little props shaken. Props to him. Media trained. We love to see it. Mm. <laughs> Ironically, it's it's like. We're dividing here, and if we then, if if Peter Dutton gets too, favourite word to describe with language, explosive about this, <laughs> if we have a divide between state and federal liberals as well, it's just, it's another thing that's going to bring them down. Mm. Exactly. So, like, if there was a federal intervention, the Victorians are trying to go more centralist, the federal stance is questionable at the moment mm -hmm. is Dutton just going to use this as an excuse to align the Victorians closer with his vision which would be mm. the interesting thing do they even is it even their place to be able to intervene in a state party yeah, do we it, is, it is technically okay. technically it so. is but should it be I think so I, I understand personally. because they technically represent the same people mm. Mm. Well, it's like Australia, you know, Victoria's a part of Australia. It's the Australian government. I feel yeah. like that's the hierarchies that they've got. The liberal top, and then you know. Victorian yeah. liberal, New South mm. Wales liberal. Yeah. I think what's what'll be interesting to see is if the Victorian Liberal Party kind of becomes the centre. What's going to be where the, that party was? Yeah. You know, will one of these smaller parties, like you know, Pauline Hanson, One Nation, or something, kind of come and be that that far? Right. Will, will that yeah. become <laughs> the new safe haven for conservatives who yeah, previously and voted liberal? Those, you know, these um, MPs that are going to be maybe walking away from the job, they might will be they going. Go there? Yeah, yeah, where will they go? On that that note of, of uh, I, I don't have a great segue. Well, well, I, ha I had a really good segue. <gasps> okay, you right. can. I use had a, segue. a really good segue. So, a federal intervention is extremely difficult to get through. So, it's only used in the very extremest of circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. You know what else is difficult to use? Technology. Speaking of technology, oh, I Lachlan... I really thought you were going to say Victorian transport. Victoria... Oh, well, okay, hang on. Can we go back? No. Uh, redo. Well, redo. Ready. Go again. You know what else is very difficult to use? Victorian transport. That's so <laughs> that good. That speaking so of Victorian good. transport... Speaking of Victorian transport... <laughs> and speaking of Victorian transport briefly, because we have an interview to get to after Very this. briefly. We're zooming through this one like... Um, drivers in Ballarat <laughs> but not Sorry, like a every train. listener in Ballarat for that yeah look that was a segue drivers <laughs> in Ballarat are set to have their licenses go digital from July so they can sign up from June that's just weeks away and this has been announced ahead of a statewide rollout of digital licenses to bring Victoria into line with New South Wales where 4.4 million people have digital licenses that's 75 percent of drivers north of the border so some say it's a little bit long overdue for mm -hmm. victoria mm. but we've got this statewide rollout coming in 2024 the trial later this year in ballarat of this new system the two key features here that the government is really touting is one 
the driver's licence can change instantly. It's digital, so it's a living document. That means that if you move house or your data gets leaked by Optus or Medicare and you need a new driver's licence number, that can change very quickly. Instead of having to order a new card, waiting a long time, it all happens. And I know that mm. for at least one person in this room, that's quite a sore spot, so we'll move along. Wow. I tell you what. I got a new license in the mail. I thought I got a parking ticket, but it turns out my license had been compromised in latitude as well. Wait, so, again? Yeah, so I, my info got compromised with Optus and Latitude, so I really got the You're good really end of the stick. You're collecting them all, aren't you? Yeah, it's like Pokemon. Um, <laughs> but please, go on. <laughs> what, what businesses do you frequent? Because I need to just not use them. I See, feel like I just, you're cursed. Yeah, I think I'm just cursed. I don't... Uh, yeah, I'm not with Vodafone. I'm not with Optus anymore, so... Good. Don't... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Question for the technologically inept. Mm. What happens? The, will we still have an option to have a physical car? Well, you'll you'll still have it. Right? You, oh, good because I'm really it. sentimental. It's not, it's not going digital cars. only. So these are the these are the two key features. We've got instant change of details. What that also means is that your license details can also instantly change in terms of the validity. So if your license gets suspended, there's no way to really tell what's a suspended license mm, on a physical yes. car. The card looks the same. Now, if you've got a digital license, let's well, going to say it's going to have a big X and it'll go, this Ooh. person can't drive. So bad drivers probably won't like this change right now. It's not mm. expected to be mandatory, so they probably just switch to their physical licenses. But this isn't for everyone. So drivers on their L plates or their P plates, well, they're not allowed to touch their phones while the car engine's running anyway. So if, you know, they were to be stopped at the side of the road and you know, a police officer was to go, hey, show me your licence, and they touch their phone, bam, instant demerit points. Gotcha. You lose the licence. So they're not going to put them in that position. They will still retain the physical cards as well sure. as, you know, people who want to keep them. But digital licences, that's just the start, because I got a text mm. from Deputy Liberal Leader David Southwick this morning, not to me personally. I'm not <laughs> that important yet. Ooh, yes. But he was trying to take credit for this, for this change. <laughs> uh -huh saying after years of liberal advocacy, digital driver's licences will soon be available in Victoria and he's going to continue pushing for digital MyKeys. That'll be something maybe we yes. cover in a couple weeks because the MyKey contract is coming up for tender and that's Ooh. going to be announced very soon. Uh, MyKey will I look like, like in the future. I, I have an Android phone, so I do have a digital MyKey. Oh, what's that like? Great. <laughs> it's so good. 10 out of 10, would recommend. So handy. Yeah. See, well, we, I like Apple, also. though. With the, data, Apple users. with the data breaches that we've been experiencing as of late and the cyber risks, do we really think it's a good idea to be having our licenses on a digital platform? It's a great question. <laughs> I, I, I think that's yeah. personal preference. Well, it is going to be within the Service Victoria app. It's not going to be like Apple Pay, I, and, which yeah. makes it an annoying, but at least it's safe. I also found it really funny when they said this. They're like, through the popular Service Victoria app, and the one you I call love. BS on the popular bit because it's, that was mandatory. Yeah, it's not popular. <laughs> it's, the, we have to have And I'm guessing a lot of people just forgot to delete it, so it's not popular. Yeah, no, I, don't, I still have like my COVID check-ins from South Australia oh, on yeah. my phone oh, because nice. I was like, you never so know. So many COVID apps. You yeah. never know. Um, but yes, that is all. Yeah. On Speaking our... of checking, we're checking in with our, our little, a little interview. We're, che that we're checking it with somebody yeah, else. So, um, well, the we segues are so good today. We do, have, oh, we do have an interview today, but we will we will wrap up there and leave you with this interview. So, thank you everyone for tuning in to represent, and thank you for our lovely, lovely people, Taylor, for joining us. Of all course, from Panorama thank you for having me and Freddie and Lachlan. I do want to say as well, yes. this was. 
Naya's first go at panelling. Oh my goodness, my heart is beating at a million miles an hour. So congratulations to Naya, you've absolutely smashed it. Thank you, thank you. Um, (laughs) So keep up to date with us and let us know what you thought of the show, but not my panelling, don't tell me about that. Um, (laughs) Because it'll only be positive things. Oh, okay, do tell me about (laughs) it. Um, On our socials, find us at SinRepresent on Twitter and Instagram, and if you want to hear this episode again or catch up on any of our old episodes, you can find our podcast on Omni and uh, Rep- uh, Omni and Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Represent. Uh, before we go, the uh, countdown to the 2023 20, to 24 budget. One hour, yeah. 42 minutes. And, and 21 seconds as of when I said that just then. Ooh, Very I'm exciting. Hoist oh, yeah. better have the doors locked. We should watching. storm the studio yeah, when we budget just starts. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Hoist. We might go a couple of minutes over. but And before we leave you with, uh, with this great interview, as always, remember to stay, stay political. political. Well, we have already uh, heard announcements about a few things. So, for instance, uh, the salaries of aged care workers are going to go up. Uh, just yesterday, we heard that there will be uh, relief towards uh, energy bills for uh, selected households, households that are on uh, government income support. Uh, there will be some help for medical bills as well. Um, so um, these are all, you know, uh, small steps, but in the right direction. Uh, however, um, as you know, that uh, the 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 economy is in a little bit of a tricky situation because we have very high inflation. So the government is kind of constrained in that regard. It doesn't want to. It doesn't want Australians to spend a lot of money because that will the inflation further, and that might force the Reserve Bank's hand to raise the interest rates. Yeah. So I guess that's the risk, isn't it? The more kind of income support you're giving to those lower income Australians, the more they're then going out and spending it in the economy, which is quite overheated right now. Yes, that's the conundrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, on one hand, uh, the government doesn't want you to spend a lot of money, but on the other hand, they have to help out the vulnerable households in spending the bare essentials, you know, like some things that you can't cut down on. Mm, so I guess what, what should they be considering when I guess they're trying to strike that really, really um, sensitive balance there? Essentially, those people who are at were most vulnerable, especially you know people on job seeker or parenting payments or other types of government income support. Uh, they they are struggling because uh, they are facing huge increases in the necessities. You know, like rental, uh, rental. Uh, you know, the cost of rent, uh, the electricity bills. Uh, the, these are some things that you cannot uh, avoid. So, the budget has to cater to those households who are doing it really tough. But at the same time, uh, probably we won't see much for uh, people who are on higher incomes and or, uh, you know, because the government doesn't want to boost uh, spending. I guess in your kind of line of work and your research where you are speaking with those people who are now facing some very tough choices, you've said that there are things like bills, electricity that they can't cut back on. What happens when they don't have that support? How do they how do they make their own household budget work? Well, we have seen instances where people don't switch on their uh, their light in the evening. They just have this one bulb on. Or just I've seen uh, just yesterday I saw a program on ABC where there are people who don't take hot showers, and so 
this is really sad to see, but uh, that is the extent to which people are hurting. So it's really difficult. Mm. Uh, I've also seen cases where people are just buying frozen foods because they can't afford uh, to buy you know, fresh chicken or fresh vegetables. I would like to talk about the inflation rate because that is something that you know is creating a lot of this pressure. We see this headline number of there's 7% inflation, but the actual mm. underlying figures, there's you know certain sectors that are deflating and certain sectors that are inflating. Can you kind of talk us through a little bit about how, what, what does inflation actually look like and how is it impacting our most vulnerable? You see, the inflation rate is calculated by the increase in price of the consumer price index, the CPI. And it consists of a range of goods. Uh, it consists of uh, your housing, your rental costs, your electricity, food, uh, entertainment, uh, maybe uh, some other types of goods. Now, uh, the, um, uh, the, the inflation rate that we see reported is a kind of like an average of all these. So it, it's possible that there are some things, uh, the prices are going up much more, uh, which doesn't get reflected in the uh, CPI numbers, but, and there are some things which the prices are actually falling. So what we see in the inflation rate is the overall, the average of that inflation, but there are certain commodities which are essential, which households can't cut back on and their prices could be going up even further. So, for instance, rental prices have gone up much more than what we see in the official inflation rate. Tackling the inflation rate, that's been a really key mission of the Reserve Bank, and that's led them to raise interest rates a record 11 times in the space of a year. So, first of all, how does that impact um, people on lower incomes? Well, uh, if you are... uh, a household who has a large um, mortgage out, it immediately affects your uh, mortgage repayment because if you are on a variable rate, then the banks will be increasing their interest rate on your mortgage and then you will be paying more uh, to return that loan. Uh, If it has an indirect effect as well because if you are renting, it's possible, it's quite possible that uh, the owner of your apartment or the house has taken out a loan and so because he or she has to now repay a higher mortgage payment they will be increasing your rents to repay rent. Um, it also makes borrowing more expensive generally because the interest rates the reserve bank's interest rate gets reflected very quickly in almost all other interest rates so uh, it's it's a very blunt tool because it affects affects almost everybody small businesses Uh, households directly or indirectly and so um, yeah it it makes uh, things more difficult for uh, lower income households especially because they have very little leeway in their budget anyway. With that increased cost of borrowing there are you seeing more people turning to those interest-free buy now pay later type services? They They will be looking at options available for them where uh, they can ho- possibly pay them, pay for their purchases a little later. Uh, they could be using the credit cards more, um, but again, it's a double-edged sword because the credit card interest rates will also be going up. So, the biggest borrower in Australia has historically been the federal government. We have a uh, federal 
um, debt of over a trillion dollars and the government is very keen this year to try and run mm. a surplus instead of a deficit. So what impact is our is our total debt, first of all, having on the spending options available to the federal government? Well, our debt uh, has probably not hit a trillion dollars yet. It's likely to be a little lower uh, because the government has uh, received a, a bit of a revenue boost from the reserve sector and because of uh, income tax revenues and uh, if there has been a, a, a silver lining to this whole thing is that we have very strong job markets right now. So the government uh, debt is probably is hovering around 900 billion, but still the interest costs are considerable. I, I mean, uh, and so, um, yeah, the government would be keen to get the debt down um, because it is now, I think, the fastest growing component of the budget. and. Uh, I saw an article which said something like we are paying $60 million an hour or something like that on interest. So, yeah, they would be very keen to keep uh, the deficit down as much as possible. I'm not sure whether we will be in surplus exactly because it all depends on what the government decides finally in its budget. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but $60 million an hour in debt repayments, that's quite a lot. So would that number increase with the interest rate rising? Yeah, so uh, basically it depends on when the borrowing was done. So a lot of the borrowing during COVID pandemic was done at a lower interest rate. So that cost is not uh, that high. But if you borrow, if you borrow new, new, if you issue new debt, that will come at the current interest rates and that will be quite expensive. Okay, so the government would be looking toward trying to borrow less so that they can, you know, they're not borrowing new money at higher interest rates. Absolutely. They would like to, ideally, you want to reduce your debt because uh, the more, I mean, the faster you cut down the debt, less interest you have to pay. So that is the ideal situation. You want to reduce your debt as fast as possible. Mm. So talk us through the difference between a, a budget deficit and a budget surplus. We haven't had a budget surplus in quite a while. So what would that mean for Australians? So it's, uh, the government's budget is basically uh, a statement of how much they're earning and how much they're spending. A budget deficit means that they're spending more and uh, they're earning through revenues through taxes like GST, income taxes and other types of revenue is less. Now you can imagine that if I, I if you you yourself are a household and your earnings are less than your spending, then you have to borrow somewhere. You either use a credit card or borrow for your family. The government is in a slightly better situation because they can issue government debt, so they can borrow from the market. And Australian government debt is triple rated, so this is considered very safe, so they're able to borrow. But uh, while you can do this for a few years for it to be sustainable you need to be able to bring it down so if you are running a budget deficit in some times like during COVID uh, the government had to take on debt to help uh, people who, who needed it to job keeper payments and stuff like that but now when we have come out of it ideally you want to have a budget surplus so that you can reduce your your outstanding debt uh, and as a result, uh, you know, bring the debt down to sustainable level. Mm, okay, and so when they're talking about these kind of these spending pressures on the budget, is that kind of 
I guess, managing the deficit versus these new spending programs for those low-income Australians, what they would be considering? Yes. I mean, ideally, you would like to spend more. There are many things on which you would like to spend more. But the constraining factor is how much you are collecting through tax revenue. And if you run a deficit again this year, then you will have to issue more debt, which will be quite expensive. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast, where young people run the show. 